0: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun.
1: As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them.
0: From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars.
2: Tony Whitlock here with Craig Revell, ready for another year of Inside Supercars. It's going be a stunning year, Craig.
3: It is, Tony. A lot of new
2: things, a lot of old things.
3: Yes, a few changes, but somehow it's going to stay the same, in my view, the same cars at the front of the field.
2: I think you're probably right. Um, The next pack, I think, you know, outside that top top six, seven, eight, I think they'll change a bit because with the number of driver changes, nine in all, um, and the engineering changes, there'll be some changes.
3: That's probably as difficult a change to make, isn't it, Tony? The driver-engineer relationship can be as difficult as a driver getting used to a car.
2: Indeed, yeah, but learning each other's language, what means a little bit, what means a lot, uh, having to learn the degree. Oh, you said that much, bar. Oh, I thought you meant this much, you know. Yeah, certainly it will be a, an interesting uh, evolution as these pe- as people marry up.
3: Mm. Of course, it's uh, once again an early start to the year because the Bathurst 12-hour has... Uh, certainly garnered a lot of attention.
2: Yes, indeed, and, and with good reason. I mean, it's obviously becoming far bigger on the international scene, but also on the domestic scene with so many of the V8 drivers deciding, or so many of the supercar drivers, deciding that they really need to go there and do it, um, which is a great forerunner for when the 1,000k comes around. Um, we haven't seen enough of the overseas drivers in the 1,000k race in recent times, which I hope that's going to change.
3: Yes, and probably the most successful of them is, what, Jackie X back in
2: 76, 77? Yeah, and, and of course, we've seen glimpses of people like uh, Andy Friu, Um and Ekstrom came over and did a very good job in that. Uh, well, I can't remember what colour of the car it was. It was green, I know that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly had the Xbox livery but on it.
2: That's the Xbox car. Um, Just thinking of such things, before we we talk about the 12-hour, and I understand we've got uh, Peter Norton and Richard Crail to to come and chat about the 12-hour. Indeed. Before we chat to that, it's worthwhile just reflecting on a number of the, just the overall picture changes we've got this year. Adelaide making the decision to go back to the 250k race. I don't want to go on the negative on it. It's terrific they've decided to go back to it because it means the opening two races of the year almost are the hardest two races of the year. Single driver, very hot weather, and it's a challenge around those concrete walls.
3: I agree, and it's a much better format, the two fifty K race. The one twenty fives, they're a bit of uh, let's say they were like kissing your auntie.
2: Yeah, indeed. The other at the other end of the season we've got the great news that New Zealand is doing likewise in getting rid of their one twenty five K races and they're getting pit stops back again in their schedule.
3: Mm. And Kevin Fitzsimmons spoke about that on the show the other week and uh, he, in fact, let the cat out of the bag a bit because he, he was uh, telling us about it uh, well before the official announcement. But I think Dunlop are excited about uh, uh, the new tyre and the new formats.
2: Absolutely. And, and that new tyre will certainly throw something different in the equation because people have to learn to work with that softer tyre um, and it'll be uh, you know fantastic to have that variation on what's been going for some years now.
3: Mm. And The
2: other thing, of course, So I was just going to say the other thing, of course, that's changed is that um, we've got a DSO change. Now, a DSO change shouldn't be really news in itself because all they are are the policemen making sure that everyone does the right thing. But it's been a hot topic for some years, hasn't it?
3: It has, and I, I feel sorry for the DSOs in some respect because they can only be as good as the rules and the instructions they're given to police. And so whilst uh, Barg's had his controversies and perhaps uh, didn't have the relationships with the teams in the end that he needed, uh, you know, he was making the decisions based on the parameters that he was given. Did I agree with some of the decisions he made? Certainly not. But someone has to make them and that's what you employ a DSO for. Yeah.
2: It's one of the really tough jobs in the paddock and uh, there's not a great deal of people. Interesting, Craig Baird, it hasn't been announced yet, but Craig Baird got the gig. And from what I understand is we're going to rejig the job. So the job that maybe Baird's had won't be the job that Baird walks into. It'll be a different scenario. And for that reason, we can only hope it'll be smoother and create less tension. Um, Of course, you know, Bathurst with Jamie and uh, Garth and Scotty McLaughlin, that was the big one of the year. Um, and everyone's got their own point of view on it. Um, my own was the end, end result. You know, it was the right thing in that all three drivers are penalised because all three contributed to it. Anyway, um, getting on, there's, there's lots of changes uh, around the paddock. Um, engineers, uh, it's the new teams, and some of those engineers are actually going to get their first taste of the year at Bathurst with a different car. Um, some of them will be the same driver's, um, such as, for instance, uh, Jeff Slater who's um, now with Ethan car with a Mercedes, but he's saying hello to Shane Van Gisbergen in a Mercedes
3: at Adam Scotty Taylor workshop. Yeah, and uh, we're going to see uh, also that this race is going to give our engineers a bit wider perspective on the world of motorsport. And uh, who can forget when J- uh, JJ Moore, Jeremy Moore, took uh, took. That uh, win with Craig Lowndes and Marinello Motorsport uh, back, what was that, three, four years ago now, and that yeah. cemented his uh, that cemented his desire to go overseas, and and since then he's gone from strength to strength.
2: He's he's as good an export as Daniel Ricciardo, who has been having won a World Endurance Championship in uh, 15, and then in 16 he won Le Mans. So yeah, certainly Jeremy Moore, and which should give great hope to the engineers who are out there working teams and working their way through the development series or Formula Ford or wherever it is, that there is that chance to get a go overseas. I mean, Jeremy walked straight into a job at Porsche on the World Endurance Championship team and has obviously repaid every bit of uh, faith put in him.
3: Mm. And it just continues Australia's great tradition of having fantastic engineers going overseas, uh, none more so than a man you uh, have a lot of uh, investigation and research into, Frank Gardner, and, of course, uh, who could forget the exploits of Ron Taranak, who seems to be the forgotten man when it comes to talk about the uh, three championships of uh, Sir Jack Brabham. Yeah,
2: indeed. In fact, it was sad um, to see that uh, Ron wasn't um, uh, noted in last year's awards, the... Uh Uh, Hall of Fame that Cam's instigated with 33 drivers, I think it was, including your uncle, is it? Grandfather. Grandfather, sorry. Mm. Grandfather. In Speedway. Yes. Um, But uh, I'm sure in years to come that Ron will be uh, noted for his great contribution uh, to the sport, not only with uh, Brabham, his World Championship, Brabham Customer Cars, and then his Rolts. An amazingly talented man. I've been lucky enough to meet him on a good number of occasions and certainly warrants um but we should actually make note of the fact that there was a man who was uh for his contribution to motorsport over the uh, uh australia day uh, awards and that was steve chopping
3: indeed and always a lot of fun to have a chat with steve uh, uh if listeners to the show can go back to the archives and hear his discussion over the christmas break about racing and uh, we Perhaps we finish with what we started with with uh, talking about the DSO, but uh, his experiences yeah. in Formula One, where the DSO is actually a fully-fledged steward and has the same uh, powers as what Steve and, and the other stewards have, and, and that is a model well, one, that isn't in supercars.
2: Yeah, one of, one of my great uh, track walks, in fact, happened with uh, Steve when he came back from Malaysia after that great and infamous... Uh, inquiry following the Australian Grand Prix when Lewis Hamilton may, well, he didn't tell the truth, and uh, subsequently a team manager uh, was uh, relieved of his command, (laughs) Um, and I I had a track walk in Hamilton learning about Hamilton from Steve Chopping. Wonderful times. (laughs) After the break, we'll be back with uh, Peter Norton and Richard Crown to talk about the battle of Swalbauer. It'll be a fascinating event, and we'll hear their words on it.
0: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at com. for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. there actually needs to be a structure... Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chas Mostard. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And you're listening to Inside Supercars.
2: Well, welcome back to the show. We now got uh, Peter and Richard on the line. They're talking here from them uh, about this year's 12 hour because it's going to be an amazing event. More stars, more cars and... Uh, Probably an even faster event. Richard, um, maybe you could give us some clues on uh, the size of the field. I mean, we, we've uh, got uh, a lot more outright cars this year.
4: Um, you. Good day, everyone. 56 uh, will be the magic number this year, which will make it, certainly will make the start, the biggest field since the race for in 2007. So that's a good stat. Um, but a, a terrific field and, and 35 outright GT3 cars is also the biggest we've seen from the outright component. So, the bumper group, 14 different manufacturers, uh, 10 of those in the outright class as well. So, from an outright perspective, it's certainly the most competitive grid we've ever seen in this race. And, and it's probably a bold statement, and feel free to disagree with me, but I reckon it's probably the broadest group of top-level racing talent that's been assembled at this place, certainly no. since the 87 World Touring Car Race, but possibly ever, I I don't know, but it's an amazing array of racing car drivers from Australia, New Zealand and the world.
2: Yeah, indeed. Um, Can we expect there'll be any changes this year? Supercars bought the event back in uh, 2015. Last year, there weren't any changes, any changes to the way in which the event was run and certainly the way it looked. Are there any things you've heard, Richard, that will be different?
4: Uh, I think it'll be more of a constant Evolution, Tony, than a than revolutionary change, and I, I think they're. If anything, they've probably just accelerated the direction that the event was going to take anyway. Um, the biggest change for me, and I'm I'm already on site. Uh, I've been here for a day already. The biggest change for me is, is from an infrastructure point of view, and and the amount of stuff going on off the racetrack. So the racetrack product will remain the same. It's high quality, very competitive. Um, it's the same rules and regs that we've seen for the last three or four years. So all that's very stable. But what's been built is the off-track stuff. So there's an enormous area in Harris Park, so the other side of the, the Spectator Bridge, we there punches coming in um, called Manufacturer's Walk, where 10 different brands are going to have a, a massive uh, display of all their road-going machinery. Um, so that's going to be an enormous thing. So there's great brand activation from manufacturers involved, which is great to see them leveraging their product, as they should do, by by using motor racing. Um, And they're going to have some on-track sessions as well for those cars. So that's probably the biggest change. There's just more. It just feels like a more major event. There's more stuff going on off-track, and that will obviously support the on-track
2: stuff, which is obviously going to be very, very good.
3: Peter, the key here is they've got an event, Supercars, which manufacturers want to be part of.
1: Isn't that lovely to see? Uh, and that, that really that is the beauty of the GT racing is that, uh, uh that there are products there for the, the gentleman racers to go out and buy, uh, and they fill up the, you know, the, the second half of the field. But with the growing prestige of it all, more professional teams are, are, filling the front half of the team. And I think that to me that's the, the impressive growth of the event over the, the last three or four years that I've particularly been pl- paying attention is that, uh, uh, in the outright class, uh, they've done away with the, uh, the, the pro-am kind of uh, nature of uh, how it was a couple of years ago. Um, we've got you know, fully outright professional teams uh, that don't have a, a C-grade driver there. Um, it's going to be a, a fascinating duel all across the 12 hours.
3: Now, Richard, for a nerd like me, is there, is there going to be cars round the corner on the start-finish line?
4: Uh, well, yeah, when they get to... Um, well, yeah, probably. I'm not sure. Actually, you caught me on that one. By the time they get the green flag, maybe they'll, uh, they'll all be pretty tightly bunked at the rolling start. But, yeah, I, I bet that they'll be going around. I'm looking at the pit they're building now, and group position 33 is uh, about 100 metres the other side of... Uh, uh, of Murray's corner, so yeah, I reckon they'll be gritting up around the corner.
3: Mm. I guess I've forgotten it's a rolling start, Tony. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and
2: Craig, it'll,
1: Craig, it'll be dark, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um Just a quick one on the manufacturing. I was fascinated. Tony Quinn told me uh, a while back that at the Eastern Creek round of the GT Championship, McLaren sold two of those McLarens, not the five seventies, but two of their big McLarens. The customers who walked in the gate, which is an extraordinary mm. thing, and I'm sure every manufacturer will want that. Richard, we want to just um, those lucky enough not to get there have got something this year that they haven't had, and that is a Channel Seven coverage for the entire event. That's something else. Yeah, it, it's big. Seven did actually cover the whole race last year, but it, it flipped
4: between the channels. So oh, um, see, the whole the whole multi-channel thing, it, it, it's easy to easy to um, believe that they didn't show the whole thing, but this year it's on 7, rate the whole way through. So I uninterrupted flag to flag um, from 5.30 in the morning through to 6 at night Eastern time. Um, they're also showing the shootout uh, on Saturday, which is, I was remiss at mentioning that earlier, that's probably the major new thing on the racetrack that has changed year to year, is that we've now got, in addition to a 60-minute qualifying session for everybody, then there's a 20-minute session for Class A cars to give the fastest cars their own session, and then the top ten from that will go into a shootout in the afternoon, and that's going to be an extraordinary shootout. It could certainly going to be the fastest shootout we've ever seen here if um, the weather plays the game, and a couple of people already in the paddock predicting that could be the session where someone goes sub-two minutes, so you, you put your money on a Van Gisbergen and do that in a, in a, a Mercedes-Benz. So, um, yeah, play to flag
2: coverage on seven, which is awesome, and it's great that a free-to-air broadcaster's got behind and, the event in the way that they have. And the shootout will be a real highlight, the commentary team, um, is it Le Mans again? Yes, right Le Mans. My colleagues from the UK will be down there. Presently
4: airborne, uh, they left um, Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport um, for a direct flight on Qantas from there to Sydney, and they arrive Wednesday morning Australian time. It's uh, Tuesday evening, as we record this. Uh, they arrive Wednesday morning, because you know, they will come from the Rolex 24 at Daytona, so they were there working for IMSA Radio. Uh, so John Hindoff, myself and Grant Goodwin in the Combox and Chad Malon and Shay Adam will be in pit lane. Mark Beretta doing the hosting duty. So cast of thousands, but same team as uh, as last year. Will be fantastic.
2: Um, maybe uh, we could just hear something, Peter, um, on the uh, drivers we could be looking out for.
1: The list of drivers, is, as Richard uh, mentioned a bit earlier, it's an impressive uh, uh, field of drivers uh, and cars. Um now, I think where the, the, the impressive growth for this race in terms of Australian motorsport fans will be the household names that they love from V8 supercars. There's a good sprinkling of them throughout the field. I did a, a rough count uh, of the, either the current V8 supercar drivers uh, or current uh, supercar co-drivers or even names that have driven... Uh, in V8 supercars in, in the last couple of years. Uh, and I quickly got to 23. Uh, 23 no. drivers. Um, now that includes uh, Scaife and Engel, uh, Murrow Engel, who drove for, for the uh, uh, the Erebus team uh, a couple of years back, uh, Ash Walsh uh, David Reynolds, uh, but there's quite a, a mixture there, it's not just uh, about Craig Lyons coming across, uh, he's brought all of his mates as well. Uh, in terms mm. of the international names, uh, a lot of names there that I'm less familiar with um, but of course the, the quality of those international superstars is outstanding and Richard probably could uh, run through some of those names and their credentials a bit better than I could
4: yeah, well, I'll, I'll rattle some stats off, and I've got nothing else to do in life, so I've got these in the back of my mind. But it's 13 full-time drivers, but on the grid uh, from the supercar field. But on the grid, we've got current supercars champions. We've got the last five years of supercars champions because we've got Winterbottom and win cup in there as well. Um, we've got the defending Bacchus 1000 winner in Will Davison. We've got the current world endurance champion in Mark Lieb. We've got the reigning Le Mans 24-hour winner in Mark Lieb. Uh, we have got the current FIA GT world champion, we've got a two-time DTM champion in Marco Whitman, uh, there's about 650 Formula 1 Grands Prix in there, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but between the Formula 1 drivers that are on the grid, no victories though, but Timo Glock got pretty close and won an easy car race, so that counts, Um and the list goes on and on and on, but it, it's just extraordinary the, the depth of talent and that people are
2: throwing at this motor race. Uh, Which which leads us possibly to one of the greatest of of our era is Bernd Schneider. I was lucky enough to uh, take the time to go and listen to him by Sunday afternoon a couple of years back, His first year there. He was shaded for the first two or three days by teammates Slade and Holdsworth, but by the Sunday afternoon, listening to him going across the grate was something special. Mm.
3: Yeah, he's, he's incredible. Shane Van Gisbergen said he learnt more from following Burn Schneider a couple of years ago than he had at any other time at Bathurst. And what he learnt was how to move traffic uh, because he said that's what Burn was so unbelievably good at, was getting the traffic out of your way when you were coming up on them. And that is one of the critical things, I guess, Richard. We're talking about a, a class race. We're talking about different speeds so, across the top of that mountain, there is some huge closing speed differences, and the cars that might be fast up and up the mountain and down the mountain aren't necessarily going to be the ones that are going to be quick across the top.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, it's generally across the top where the big cars find issues coming up to the slower cars. So, ironically, this year is probably going to be the smallest field spread from first to 56th, and we've seen since this event came in because the quality boosted up. And, you know, even the, the slowest educational cars are going to be pretty competitive now. So um, but, but it's still going to be an issue, and that corner speed across the top, as you said, Craig, is going to be a, a big challenge for those cars um, Which... and, and the way the race plays out. But that's, that's endurance racing. That's what it's all about. The class racing is such a big aspect of it, and trying to keep the thing out of the fence, lapping a slower car is as big as pounding out in 2.02s for all morning like Shane
2: Van Gisdek did last year. Which also brings in, Richard, doesn't it? One of... James O'Brien, who, of course, was the one who really got this race back and going again, um, has also succeeded in getting the Bathurst Council behind the March Easter race, the production race, the six-hour. Mm. And, and because the competitors who previously, you know, they'd had the domain of the 12-hour, then it became more of a GT race, they now have that event where they can actually go and you know, race for outright wins for themselves as well as their classrooms
4: there. Mm, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and there was a lot of criticism of James, uh, some of it quite unfair when the decision was made to go to GT cars in 2011. And it was probably a bit of a gamble and there was short-term pain for everyone involved because you know, it got from 60 cars to 23 that first year. Um, but, I mean, it's paid off the freaks of the labors in building it to this point. And, of course... That production car base was already there, so that when the Six Hour came along, they were ready and willing to go to have their own Hallmark event, which they've got. And I think that Six Hour format works brilliantly for production car racing; it's perfect for them. And there's 66 cars entered the the Six Hour, by the way, and the Easter long weekend, so that's uh, fairly booming as well. Mm.
2: Yeah, Richard. Um, just thinking of that, um, the Daytona last weekend. Um, how many drivers do you, can you think, you know, with this, obviously Van Giesbergen is the most high profile of them, but there aren't, and Paul Morris, will he be racing in the twelve No,
4: the dude's not running. There's there 10 drivers that are doing the double vote. So, um, right. And off the top of my head, Christopher Meese, who raced the right. Audi last weekend, uh, Lauren. Yeah, so, or,
2: so outright guys, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, so um, quite a few of those guys who raced the factories over in the US and in um, did the Rolex and they're doing the same flight, I think, as, uh, as my commentary uh, cohort. So, yeah, there, yeah. there's 10, 10 in total, including, thank you, Before we
2: leave, uh, one last tip maybe from both Peter and Richard on uh, who they think will feature on the podium.
1: Uh, this is probably more of a, a sentimental one rather than uh, studying the form. I've uh, always been a bit of a fan of BMWs, so Stephen Richards, Mark Winterbottom, uh, are names that I'm familiar with. I'd love to see them do well.
4: I'm not going to tip the podium. It's impossible for this race because there's about twelve cars. To be honest, but uh, I think if you had to back one favourite for this race, it'll be the Scott Taylor Motorsports H T P Mercedes with Van Gisberg and
2: Engel and Craig Bear. Awesome driver lineup, yeah. normally aspirated car. Very, very good. Sounds like a very good hint. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing uh, the coverage of the event. Uh, Next weekend, it will be something well worth watching.
4: Looking forward to it immensely. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, everyone.
0: The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And,
1: you know, every every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself... Of of his part in in starting the the path to safer
0: cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
1: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
0: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
1: Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back. Um,
2: Well, it's certainly, uh, there's a lot on the table there for... For looking at and uh, considering this weekend, the Audis, the Porsches, the new, the BMWs with the new updates, Mercedes, which have shown some very good speed, and obviously there are a good number of competitors who are very hot topics uh, for this weekend's event, including the Nissans and the Audis.
3: And so, I, th- uh, I think one of the points that Richard uh, raised about uh, James O'Brien and his you know, taking the leap of faith to go GT3. It was Audi that really uh, was the one that championed the event and, and threw their support behind it. They were the one that uh, was the first manufacturer that put their hat up. And it's interesting now, they're sponsoring two different parts of the racetrack. I, I, I think they've got the Audi Cutting and maybe Audi Mountain Straight or something like that. Um, so they are a, they are a manufacturer that really sees the value in this event and has, has you know, been a, a very good supporter in getting this to, you know, one of the rounds of the GT Intercontinental Challenge.
2: Yeah, and in fact, you, you really need to take your hat off to James O'Ryan because it was so prescient that he went with the GTs in the way he did because it it actually prefaced what happened in the Blanc Plain series taking off. You know, it was, it was a, a, a forerunner, a really of what was to go on and is now keep, keeps growing. I mean, LMP prototypes are not right for Australia. They're not right for a Bathurst track. There are too many undulations there for those sort of cars to cope with. But GT3, in the way which it is, is absolutely perfect. They're robust cars that can cope with the uh, 12-hour distance and the track, and it, it means that blokes such as Bernd Schneider want
3: to come and race there. Mm. And, and one of the ongoing debates, Tony, uh, you see it everywhere, should supercars be GT3? And, and you've had people throw their, you know, their hats into the ring and uh, even Roland Dane said not GT3 but GT4 would be more appropriate if you were going to go that way. Um, but it highlights the fact that what we've got is this one signature banner race And then a championship that can support itself, that does have enough of the pro-am contingent that it's self-fulfilling and self-funding or it's able to sustain itself long-term. To try and have a supercar series that's a GT series, it would, whilst the cost of the cars are a bit more and the running costs, because you can buy so many parts from so many different places, would be a bit cheaper. But I think it'd be a harder sell, and I think that's why the supercars have done the thing. They've bought the GT3 uh, prestige race, and that, in some respects, holds holds off the battle of saying Australia should have a a high profile GT championship. Because let's remember, this was the supercar series was originally the touring car championship, and GT's a long way away from touring car.
2: Yeah. And, of course, the other thing is the calendar, the way in which we have this race that kicks off, you know, the Australian racing year. I mean, OK, we have some sprint cars and there's the motorbikes and things like that. But really, the calendar really kicks off with the seven uh, three, three four five um 12-hour race at Bathurst. That is the start of our year. And it's a fantastic way to start the year.
3: Hmm. Yes, indeed, it is. It is a great event, and if people haven't gone to it, they need to put it on their bucket list. That's that's the one oh, thing indeed. that if they haven't drawn that from our discussion, then they've really learnt nothing.
2: Yeah. Well, as long as they've got a TV remote, they can turn that on and whip their appetites to twenty eighteen. After the break, we'll come back and just summarize what's coming up ahead.
0: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year
1: in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BAT yeah, Cars in Australia is where i see myself.
2: Second crack at the Australian times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we ended up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport
0: broadcast on Community... Radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
3: Hi, I'm Craig Lance. Hi, I'm Dale Wood, and you're listening to Supercars Today. Okay,
2: well, it's uh, certainly a a very fast start to the year. Uh, Next week will be uh, terrific. We'll be able to look back and see what happened in the 12-hour, and then look forward to see what's uh, coming up with a couple of uh, supercar drivers to tell us about their thoughts leading into, first of all, the test in Sydney at Sydney Motorsport Park in February, and then the uh, event that starts our year in full uh, chorus at
3: the Adelaide Clipsville 500. Craig, your thoughts? I'm Tom with my final thought because I've got two. I'm going, Simona Di Silvestro arrived in the country uh, this week, and I'm going, could this be the thing that finally gets motorsport into the regular news stream, as in regular sports news stream? or is this going to amount to no more than you know, uh, James Warburton feeling good about uh, making the racing a bit more sexless? My other thought is, yep. can Chiosan do it? Can Nissan get another win? So there, I've, yep. I've got two, because yep. I'm torn between which one's going to be more important, Chiosan and Nissan winning, or Simona Di Silvestro? But I guess we've got weeks and weeks to talk about Simona. Yes, indeed. and And in fact,
2: I think... I'm sure that that will pan out over a year, and we can only hope seeing motorsport move onto the front pages it's not because of a crash, but because of some amazing events.
3: Mm, indeed. Um,
2: and uh, I, I think that the thing that we've got to look forward to is a year without having any uh, major problems in our calendar year, without having the, uh, the sport being challenged by anything other than other sports. Uh, obviously, business is something that's uh, looking hard as to whether they're going to continue sponsoring in various teams. Let's just hope that this is a year that consolidates motorsport as one of the uh, real great coverage sports uh, for sponsors. All right, Craig, thank you for another wonderful show this week. Cheers, sure Tony. We look forward to reviewing the 12-hour... Good night and thank you all.
0: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.